We're all going to have things that we wish we wouldn't have done in our lives, but we have to sit with it and understand what we've gained from it and be willing to say it taught me something because that will steal the power from any negative brain bias, any cycle faster than anything. And when we can see the growth that comes even from our mistakes and be willing to say, I love myself and I can forgive myself, it makes it a lot easier to forgive others for the mistakes they make. Hi, and welcome to the Heart Leader Podcast, where our heart and our mind align. I'm your host, Amber, here with co-host Austin. And we are continuing our journey into exploring that inner critic. We are focused through this topic because we are creating a book called Silence Your Inner Critic. And we thought, what better way than to share it with our community as we're creating it, getting your feedback as we navigate through the topics in it, and really creating the book that is going to be in the best service of you. So we're going through, we're taking our research and all of our writings, and we're incorporating it into the podcast because it really does play a huge part in how our heart and our mind align in the process and the flow. So throughout multiple weeks, we're going to be diving into the process of recognizing and understanding the inner critic, tools and techniques for what we call silencing the inner critic, but really getting a handle around the inner critic and the impact that it has on your life so that you can then redirect it and not just be battered around in life by it. If you would like to make certain that you don't miss a single episode so that you can continue learning and growing with us, take a moment right now and click subscribe below. That'll make certain that you are always notified when a new episode gets released here. And it doesn't matter what platform you're on, just make sure that you hit that subscribe button. It also lets us know when we're releasing content that is really meaningful for you. As we navigate through this journey, we also ask that you give us some feedback. And at the end here, we will let you know exactly how you can get in touch with us to do that because we love hearing from you. But today we're going to continue our focus because we have talked about how that inner critic makes its way into our lives. What's its origin story if you're a superhero fanatic like we are, because every villain has an origin story and so does the inner critic. And from that origin, how does it continue to make its way and grow in our lives? We've covered everything from societal norms to childhood experiences, and even how the different cultures that we engage in can feed into that. But what we haven't dove into yet is how we personally continue to feed that inner critic. And that is something that Austin, I really think is important because it's easy to observe how everything outside of us can create issues for us. But sometimes when we have to go inside and start saying, okay, what am I doing? 
that's contributing to where my life is going or these things that are opportunities to expand within me, sometimes that's where the block comes in because external, easy to see. Internal, not so easy to see because you are so close to it. So what are some of the personal things that we might be doing, some of the actions, some of the feelings that trigger us, just those things that can get us into a space where we are just feeding the inner critic like cookie monster. <laughs> and it is just horking them down like no tomorrow. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's personal goals and expectations. I feel like, although are amazing and beautiful to have, if we are not aware and conscious of how we're creating them, that actually could be our own downfall, keeping us of getting in our own way, I feel as you're saying. And so I feel like today is a really good opportunity to kind of address and help expand the awareness around how our ex personal expectations might actually be holding us back. Yeah. And I think just expectations as a whole can create a whole sense, a whole field, minefield mm -hmm. for the inner critic to feed off of, right? Because expectations are rarely goals that are expressed. They are things that we've created, whether it's goals or anticipated outcomes that we don't express. And so when we don't express them fully, either to ourselves or to others, it's really hard for them to ever be achieved. And so when we set up all these expectations for ourselves or others, then yeah, that inner critic is going to be like, see, I told you so. I told you, you thought this was going to happen, but it didn't. And it's like that inner kid who's always that, I told you so, I told you so. And so that's one amazing place to start from a personal standpoint. How often do you hold expectations for yourself mm -hmm. or for anyone else? Right. But I think goals is going to be an interesting one to dive into. So do you mind diving into that? Like, what, what do you mean by setting goals for yourself? Because we're taught that's what we're supposed to do. Right. I would love to, but I, I really feel like expectations is, is where I, I would like to start to flow into goals. Okay. Um, just because... One of our big misunderstandings, when it, I feel, when it comes to expectations is our lack of communication of those expectations. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to fall into a lack, of ex, a lack of communication when it comes to other people, but I think people are less aware of how they don't communicate their own expectations about themselves to themselves. Yeah. And so we kind of just, maybe a result happens and it's not what we think we want in the moment. And so there's this perceived expectation that it just didn't achieve what we thought. Right. And so then we start, our inner critic just goes crazy on us. But how much did we take the time to exactly like, did we journal, take the time to write out exactly what we're looking for and the, the approach that we're open to, and the opportunities or the options in which it could be achieved. Maybe there's different pathways that it could be achieved versus just one result. And then it's a judgment more on that result than it is an actually evaluation of what's, what's even occurred. And so the expectation is then more like um, a jerk reaction to not getting what we wanted 
versus an actual expectation of oneself in how to facilitate goal-oriented action process. And I think that's that's kind of the that's why I want to start in the expectation in, in that standpoint because yes, it's great to create goals and we want to have intention, we want to have purpose behind them. But if we're just going to have knee-jerk reactions to the results of them versus understanding that when it comes to ourselves and, and when it comes to anyone, that volume is a key aspect to actually achieving our desired results. It, a lot of people underestimate how much effort it actually takes yes. to achieve what we... So if we do one thing once and it doesn't happen exactly what we want, it didn't get the exact thing that we desired, you know, and we didn't even take the time to write it down, it was just some lofty goal and we just attempted once and it didn't work and it's like, ah, okay, I'm done. Or yeah, I can't believe I didn't do that. I'm going to go do something else now because I'm pissed off or something like that. It's really easy to fall into that trap. And so... Again, that's how I wanted to pull back and say, okay, we really need to understand our own expectations of ourselves. We need to have a process in which we either write them down. It could be in a journal. It could be on your notes on your iPhone or something like that, or it could be just a regular, you know, regular piece of paper, you know, whatever it is, a whiteboard, anything like that. But you need to be able to clearly communicate your own expectations. And maybe it's not about the result. Maybe that's kind of the goal opportunity. So if you create an expectation more centered on like, I will not give up. That's the expectation I have of myself. Where would that lead you? What goals then can you create from that expectation of yourself? And how would that silence your inner critic very quickly? Because that's a far more achievable on a daily basis. I saw, and it's a well-known fact that when you move forward and you start anything new, it takes 100 and up to 200 times to do it before you get any real progress, right? And so there was a quote on social media that I saw. It's like, your first 100 videos are going to suck if you're putting them out on social media. Your first 100 of anything really is probably not going to be your best output. So just acknowledge that. Like, don't expect that you're going to fail, but expect that you're going to have progressive improvement. Very different. Like, it's not going to be your best product right out of the gate, no matter what you're putting out there. But the more that you put it out there, the more that you practice, the more that you become familiar with a process, you become familiar with anything, you're going to improve upon it. And so part of the expectation of it is you have to expect to be vulnerable enough to not be exactly where you desire to be right out of the gate. Because very few of us pop out of the womb concert pianists or any of the other things that we desire to become. We go through stages to become that. And so, yeah, to have that expectation of I will not give up or I will improve daily. That's easier to track and trend. Exactly. A lot of people underestimate what they or overestimate what they can do in six months. There's like 
three to six months, but completely underestimate what they can do in six to 12 months, right? And so if you're so focused on, you know, oh, I've got to get all these things done and in three months, and if I don't do it in three months, then, you know, then I'm just done. It's like, well, you know, if you just dedicate yourself to for a year to that, or even six months, you know, just having that extra, that extra time to allow yourself to learn, to grow, to move forward, you know, and give yourself, um, I forget the athlete, but one, there's one athlete who said, my goal is just to improve 1% every day, right? That's achievable. It's not a lot. It's not a huge improvement, but then it's like by every hundred days, I improve hundred percent. And when there's more than 300 days in a year, that means in one year I can improve three X, right? That's pretty amazing. So that in and of itself was like a really great way to understand how to how to navigate our own expectation of ourselves, and then through that navigation of our expectations, create goals to support that, so that one doesn't start pulling down the other. In, in fact, we can switch that. We can make one start to uplift the other and create this beautiful cycle uh, where we start to see success, and our expectations aren't just inner critic driven and judgment driven. They are evaluation and growth driven. Yeah. And I know just from our own experience, like we've started something that in its inception and and its first few years, there were, I would say the majority of people did not understand what we were doing, which was okay because in all essence, in many ways, we didn't understand exactly what it was that we were striving to do as well. And that's okay. Talk about that hundred time mark, right? We were honing exactly how we would express what we were doing. But simultaneously, we got a lot of pushback on why aren't you doing this yet? And why aren't you already meeting this milestone yet? And why aren't you already perfect at all the things that you said you were going to do yet? And this is where I know one of my own personal growth opportunities, the people-pleasing aspect, came in. And so some, like, again, wide open space for your inner critic to start running wild is that people-pleasing mentality where if you desire to make everyone else happy, then the moment you start getting pushback like that, it's going to start to trigger that inner critic and go, well, yeah, why aren't I, why aren't I doing that yet? Why, why aren't we there yet? And you want to please those people and show them, yes, I, I received your input and I'm going to get there. I'm going to do it right now. Instead of taking that step back, especially if you're starting a new business or you're participating in a project where it's about a greater whole and you're building a foundation you can't necessarily take one input and one input and start people pleasing all those one offs. You have to look at that whole and say, all right, is this something that benefits the whole? And so from the inner critic, the need to silence that part of my inner critic and say, yes, I know that I have this tendency to people please. I love people. Therefore, I desire to make them happy. But in this case, I can't make everyone happy. So how do I combat that and say, while I understand and I recognize that part of me, 
how do I navigate that part of me and not do that knee-jerk reaction and cost myself this whole movement that we're creating that, yeah, isn't going to make sense right now, but in the long run, we're going to, we're doing something amazing. And honestly, it was a back and forth and I had to lean on you a lot in the process. So though this is a personal thing, like we all have these personal triggers that can sabotage us and really feed that inner critic, having one person in your corner, if not more, that you can say, hey, I now recognize this tendency. And so when something comes in by somebody who loves me or a complete stranger or somebody who's a blend of both, then I feel it kind of rearing up and I would just like to talk with you about it. It can help because, yeah, it's personal, but talking with someone outside can also give me that external view of it. So it doesn't only have to be internal. We can take it to the external to get that clear view. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. It kind of covers what we talked about last episode about, about Although we say live from the inside to the out, it's important to take in information from the outside to the in. We're just saying not to stop there, right? Yeah. And so, and so, yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. And what I, what I also agree with is, is this, I definitely have an experience just on a personal level with the inner critic and wanting to people please. I think a lot of us do when, when our goal is to, to be loving and to show love and to care for people around us only natural to want to people please right to make sure that everyone around you is happy and doing well and all that stuff and it's, it's a it's you know it's nice it's, and, and I love seeing when people I love seeing people like that but like I just I have I also have this this compassion and sympathy and empathy in my heart for what they must be feeling because I've it's something I felt for a long time it's just like you, you place this expectation. I would place my expecta this expectation on myself to please everyone. And it's just not possible. That's a completely unrealistic expectation. One, to think that I know what someone else wants. I didn't realize how egotistical that was. Yeah. I mean, come on. I was like, are you serious, Austin? Like, how, how could I actually know what someone else wants? No way. And let alone multiple people. Uh, that's just a not that's not a smart perspective such a projection <laughs> yeah and two most people don't even know what they want so why am i attempting to to achieve something that's just not even possible and and what they want is completely out of my direction so that's number three yeah. so i i can't direct anything that their their reactions their responses or anything like that so i realized it came from a complete place of insecurity uh in my within myself and it was like, wow, I have this overarching need to direct everything around me because I realized that I'm attempting to control the uncontrollables. Mm -hmm. And it was coming from a place of love. It was like, yeah, I just want to see people happy. But until I actually took the time to ask why and why and why and why and dive deep into it, I was like, wow, it's just it's stemming from my own insecurity. And yeah, I do want to make people happy, but is the way that I'm doing it, that's what's really important. And I need to be aware of that. I need to adjust my my actions. 
because I'm placing a complete unfair expectation on myself and I'm not communicating well to myself. I'm putting a complete unfair expectation on other people for them to, you know, like the way that I'm wanting to, to, to make sure that they're happy. That's, that's, um, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, I can't do that. I can't ask that. Uh, so it's just like all these things, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't working. And, and so until I kind of adjusted that and said, look, I'm going to love myself. I'm going to be happy with who I am. And then I'm going to be, do my best to listen and be aware of what others are seeking. And from that place, I can make effective choices that might be able to help someone. So that way I can be in service and uh, kind of what we were talking a little bit about yesterday, which is like love in form of charity, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, not charity like from a nonprofit standpoint, but like charity in terms of service. Like how can I be of service to someone else? And oftentimes we just have to kind of listen instead of projecting, instead of putting an expectation, just help ask the questions. What is it? What makes you happy and, and what can I do to, to support that? Yeah. Because again, it goes back to that link of expectation that you know what makes somebody else happy, as you said. And then we take these actions that we feel is going to make someone happy. And then when it doesn't make them happy, and all we're doing is that need within us to people please, and the response back is not that they are happy, then again, we're crushing ourselves from the inside and feeding that inner critic even more yes and it creates that endless loop then where well wait a second i did all this just to make you happy and we we went back and forth through this many times if you watch any of our past episodes it's like i love that you're thinking of me this way but do you know, have you taken the time to ask me what actually makes me happy if that's your goal? And in truth, my responsibility is to make myself happy, to actually just be happy. And being happy comes from loving myself. And yes, you being kind doesn't pull away from that happiness and it adds factors to that happiness because I love seeing you happy and loving. And so we are two happy and loving people that grow in happiness and love together. And if you hurt, then yes, I'm going to feel that pain with you. But it's my responsibility to maintain my own happiness. And that's by understanding these tools and these things that we're talking about here. So, yeah, I think that's well said. I also feel like how that's a really good segue into over responsibility. Yeah. Right. And that's a complete unfair expectation that we all we tend to place on ourselves. Right. And this is like, I've I've, I've got to save the world. I've got to, you know, take care of everyone and everything around me. And so I'm going to go I'm going to kind of go back to something that you shared with me, which is absolutely brilliant. And I've actually used this uh, quite a few times recently in the last uh, two week, two, three weeks when talking to different people. And so this might be a good opportunity just to revisit that. And that's this, uh, this picture of water, uh, metaphor, right? Mm -hmm. That's the, we, we, so like when we are so full of, of wanting to have over responsibility, it's like us being this picture of water that's constantly, uh, you know, giving itself 
water, you know, to all the cups around it. And then eventually it becomes empty and there's no more water to give. Right. Yeah. But when you become, when you adjust that and realize that it's not, we're not responsible for everything and everyone around us. The only thing that we can actually fully 100% be responsible for is ourselves. Then we can become that overflowing pitcher of water. So the pitcher is always full and there's cups around it that are catching all of that amazing, that water. Right. And so that's the beauty. That's the opportunity for us that you know, we're not saying don't be responsible. <laughs> that's not at all what we're saying yeah, here because yeah. there are, we all have responsibilities, but when we are being, when we feel like we have the weight of the world on us, when we feel like we need to, you know, put out every fire and, you know, take care of everything and everyone around us, then that creates this, create this uh, like, you know, unfair expectation on ourselves to achieve something that's just not possible. Not to mention, we actually might be taking away from some of the opportunities of the people and, and things around us to learn and grow. And that's a whole other concept that we, you know, I'm sure we'll continue to dive into as, as we do these. But, um, but I, yeah, I don't want to diverge too much here because, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a massive one that I know I've struggled with and catch myself struggling with because, you know, when we just care and we love, it's only natural to want to help those around us. But that's where we need to be that, that full pitcher of water and overflow. Yeah. And I don't know that it's diverging as much as it is understanding when we give permission for our inner critic to feed into that. I'm personally responsible for the happiness of everyone around me. Then it's not only creating this cycle of thought within us, but it is impacting our mental health because we're taking on the mental connection of others around us that we actually have no direction over. Happiness is a mental game, right? And if we take on that responsibility for others, yet we have no direction over it, that's a no-win game. So how do you navigate that? You've already set yourself up for something that you're not really going to have any direction over. And so, of course, that inner critic is like, ha ha, I've got you now because I know that you're never going to win this game. So I'm always going to get more negative feedback in order to keep this cycle going because there's no chance in this mental game that you can mentally have any direction over that other person's happiness. Mm. Not to mention, as you said, like the potential for soul growth or learning or any other aspect that can go along with what somebody else has to gain from taking responsibility for their own happiness. Show them how to be happy by being a reflection of what it takes to be happy share the tools that you're gaining by listening to podcasts like this or reading books like silencing the inner critic so that you can then if they go wait a second i have noticed this massive change in you you just are so much happier and every time i come in contact with you i feel 
lighter just by being around you. How did you do that? That's becoming that overflowing pitcher of water, right? It's like, oh, I'm so, yeah, here, here's what I did. Here's how, you know, maybe it'll work for you. I'm not telling you it will, but maybe it will. Here's this and here's this. And then that shares the opportunity for them to have that same experience if they choose to do so. But you're not telling them what to do and you're not taking on the responsibility and as you said, like that whole responsibility factor feeds in to the people pleasing, right? Because right. they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for all that. Cause that's actionable. It's understandable. It's logical. It makes a ton of sense. And I feel like all of that, one of the big things you mentioned is how we're setting ourselves up for failure by doing that. And I feel like that's kind of like a source issue that we struggle with. And we don't realize that when that occurs in one area, we tend to kind of start to create a blanket across other areas. Yes. And so if we start to, another thing that fuels that is this need to be constant need to be productive. Hmm. And so if we, if we fall into this trap and this cycle of needing to be productive and we are approaching it from this system that we're consistently set ourselves up for failure uh, through expectation like this. No wonder we feel depressed. No wonder we start to really fall to the, the voice of the inner critic and all the negative biases that we have about ourselves because it just feels like everything we do, we're failing at. It feels like the whole world is against us and it's really easy to slip into that victim mentality. And so that's where this opportunity to pull ourselves back up and recognize well, may, maybe it's just because there's this one little area like expectations and, and, and personal goals that I'm just approaching it incorrectly. And if I can make that little adjustment to be more positive, then that can have this beautiful ripple effect across all the ways that I interact with the world. But it starts with me. It starts with how I talk to myself, how I communicate with myself, and how I love myself. And then that then begins to fuel on how I start to talk, communicate, and love others. And it becomes this beautiful, beautiful uh, approach that can be far more uplifting. And then we don't get stuck into this need for productivity because we're not human doings, we're human beings. Mm-hmm. And so when we get into the love, that love is... is that's that stems from our being. Yeah. But it is challenging and I will say this just from experience like we are often in cultures or in different environments that actually reward productivity. Yeah, good point. And so when we get our validation externally based on the productivity that we put out it becomes even more challenging then when we don't feel that we are being productive in the way that is being validated or accepted. And even from an internal standpoint, that's how workaholic behavior begins to come in. It's like, I don't feel worthy in other ways, Mm. but this I can do. This action seems to be creating a positive reinforcement 
So instead of looking within and understanding the other ways that I'm not feeling myself, I'm not connecting with my own truth, but this skill I have, and I can be really good at it. And then I get positive validation back. Well, I'm just going to do a whole lot more of that. And until all of a sudden, that's not getting me the positive reinforcement. And then when that rug gets pulled, everything falls apart. Yeah. So how do we look at that part if we're in a cycle where our doing, our productivity actually is getting that positive reinforcement and it's building us up and we actually feel really good about ourselves because we're getting all of that positive reinforcement. And I talk about this just having been in a, a corporate culture where staying up and working until all hours of the night, even sleeping in my office sometimes gave me such a sense of euphoria. I can't even pretend otherwise. And I felt so good when products launched and it was like, yes, I win. Like we as a team, we got this out there and our whole team is like celebrating and it's such a good feeling. And you don't desire to pull away from that feeling. But at the same time, there were parts of me that felt like I have a young child at home and I'm not with my child while I'm doing this. I feel inadequate as a mother. I am not taking care of the other responsibilities that I have with my, you know, whole family as a whole. And so here I am spending all of these nights making certain this product gets launched, but there's this nagging voice. The inner critic is still going in the back. Will anyone even remember this product 10 years from now, 15 years from now? I feel really great about it right now, but my family might remember that I'm not there for them in this moment 15 years from now. So while all of this euphoria is going on, there's also this other dialogue running in the back, but I was able to cover it up, not silence it, whole different ballgame. <laughs> I was able to cover it up and mask it with the euphoria of being productive and all of the validation and the accolades that were coming as a result until that went away. And then all of a sudden, I didn't have that in my life anymore. And I had to look at my family and say, I am so sorry that I was not there and that this was what took my focus. And it was all right back in my face again. So wherever I went, there I was. At some point, I was going to have to dive in and understand what I needed to understand from the whole experience. And that goes back to you can't make someone else happy and you can't take someone's experience away from them, mm -hmm. right? So then I had to navigate within and say, yes, inner critic, you fun little, fun little voice, here you are building me up on this end so that you could run in the background on this end and have this happen. Mm -hmm. So we have to be aware, we have to take the time 
to, if we feel the nudge over here, ask ourselves, okay, but why am I feeling this nudge? What's going on? Sit with the feeling and the question and don't become a workaholic, self-admitted, in order to silence that part, but not really silence it, cover it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Um, the, the continued ask question of asking why is so important. Yeah. yeah. And I thank you for highlighting that. And I feel like another reason why that occurs is is this many of us struggle with the need to feel accepted, right? And so yeah, when we start to get point. accolades outside of ourselves like that, well, those are great. You said like it feels euphoria, but you know maybe it's not because we're achieving something. Maybe it's because we're actually attempting to fuel this void that we have of this need to feel accepted by people. Yeah. And so it's easy to get caught in the doing. It's easy to get caught into the workaholic approach. And so we're just in this cycle of doing, doing, doing and productivity. And I need to take responsibility for everything and everyone around me and all these things that are completely impossible. And the expectation that we place on ourselves is soul crushing. Because we're again, setting ourselves up for failure. And if we start to tie this thread all the way across, we start to recognize it's really from this need to feel accepted, this need for approval. No matter what we're doing in terms of setting those expectations and creating those personal goals and interacting with people and all these other things, you know, it's, it's one of those sources could stem from that. And so that's why I love what you just said, asking why, continuing to ask why such a great great approach and if we don't know the answer then sit with it like you just said it's okay not to know i remember when you first asked me you know about myself i was like how do i go with it what does that even mean i was like i don't know like, where, <laughs> where, where how am i going with it like, I, don't, I don't understand um but you're like okay just ask yourself why seven times okay if it's, you know, why, why am I unhappy? That's kind of where I started. And the first two or three whys were pretty easy, you know, because they were more or less surface level. And the further I got, man, the harder. It took me months to finally get to the seventh why. And it took more than a few weeks just to even get to the third or fourth why. And so it's just, it's amazing because, you know, most of the time we ask, you know, once. Oh, why is this happening? Okay, boom, and that's it. Okay. But continue. Draw deeper. And go further with it. Keep asking yourself why, and it's going to feel squeamish. It's going to feel like, oh, I don't want to know. And that's, that's, if you're really looking to to put a personal goal that's what it takes yes. that's the volume that we were talking about at the very beginning of this that is the effort that we completely underestimate what it takes but the beauty is is we are our own greatest potential and by continuing to ask why we're uncovering that and we're not just uncovering it we're actually unlocking 
our greatest potential because we're allowing ourselves to see our fullest version of who we are. And through that, we're then allowing the world to, which is so beautiful. That's all, that's all I could ever ask of anyone around me. It's just, I, I want to see the very beauty, the best version of who they are. From a personal standpoint, when that happens, I feel better. So, cool. Maybe it's a little selfish. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of selfishness. Little, it's okay. But it's because of the oneness. It's because of the love and the care. Like, I know when you are your best, I am my best. I know when I'm our best, then everyone is at their best. Like, that's that's the tie that we all have with each other. And I know you could go into the fun science and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure we'll continue talking about that. But if anyone wants to nerd <laughs> out with me, you can send me a message. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's... um. But th- those those are that's why I love that we're we're talking about this because like even as as I'm talking about it out loud I'm like okay well where do I need to say why and how many times do I need to get in there and and it's just this constant opportunity for personal growth and development and so that if we are going to create an expectation that desire to keep expanding is a beautiful expectation of oneself that's supported me immensely it helps me then take that expectation of constantly growing and move that into the goals so I can make short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals, right? Then they become actionable. And then from those actions, I can start to see results. And those results start to fuel that, hey, my expectation of myself is healthy, it's confident, it's purposeful, and it's love-based. And I'm evaluating all that I'm doing to actually get me to where I desire to be so I can achieve and show the world exactly who I am. So when we're talking about the doing and being out in the world and having all these actions, we're not saying don't get involved and do things, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, making certain that you're contributing is a beautiful thing. And that is an amazing way to take that and convert it into being actionable, but from a mindful and highly conscious of your own self standpoint. My story was not conscious and not mindful, not because I didn't have the opportunity to be, but simply because I was ignoring my opportunity to be. And so I think it gives two great um, ways to look at it. Like, I could have still achieved the same goal and put your method into play and said, I could balance this. And since I was leading, I could have taken a step back and said, what impact? People pleaser in me could have said, what impact am I having on the team? Am I impacting other people right now? So when we get so goal oriented, Are we creating or losing other parts of ourselves at the same time too? And so I think the overarching part of this whole personal feeding frenzy that the inner critic will have is it will find ways to latch on to different parts of our psyche and feed the one that's most active unless we pull back, as you just said, and say, no, I'm coming at this with my own approach my own plan, and I can still achieve the goal, launching a product and spending time with my family, but I'm going to do it in my way. And each time 
the inner part of my critic kicks up and says, well, you're not doing it right over here. Your family's still missing you. I could say, I understand that I'm not with my family right now. I hear that pang and myself, but I have a plan to spend all Saturday afternoon with my family. And so right now I'm focused here. Saturday afternoon, I will be focused there. And so I'm achieving both goals. So while I feel that, I now have that loving plan that achieves both. So I want to make sure we're not telling people, don't work hard. Nobody is saying, don't do that, especially if it's something you love. It's just saying, come at it from a way, if you feel a pull somewhere else, you're mindfully saying, okay, that means that I should be sitting in the why. I should be understanding it. And then coming at it from that loving aspect and creating a structure that will help me silence that inner critic in some way. Just like if you were telling me you're not being good enough at this and you're not being good enough at that, I would say, okay, Austin, help me understand where you see I'm missing things. And when you tell me, I'd say, okay, why do you see that I'm missing that? And then we would go back and forth in the conversation so I could get to the root Mm -hmm. of what it is that I'm not achieving that you feel would be beneficial. Then we could create a plan around achieving that. So if you came back to me again, I could say, all right, I hear you, but this is what we agreed on. And so this is what I'm doing. And so it keeps us from going back and forth in a, just a he said, she said way and more in a, okay, here's where we are. Here's what we plan to do. Here's where we're going. You see something else. Okay. Then let's shift. Let's take a moment to shift that now to another direction, but this was where we were before. And that would silence any that would come at it. Yes. I like that. So balance. Balance. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, uh, I couldn't help but think about uh, that scene in Forgetting Sarah Marshall when I was, uh, (laughs) you know, they're doing the surfing lessons and it's like, do less, do less. Do more. And he's (laughs) just like, now you're just not doing anything. (laughs) And so, yeah, it's easy when you're talking about like, hey, you know, how do we find a balance of like doing and being? And, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's like at some point, I mean, yeah, I love what you said. Like, we're not. It's not we're saying don't work hard because it is important to work hard. You have to put action, right? It's if we want to actually achieve something, there has to be action. Exactly. But being intentional and being balanced and purposeful behind those actions. So it's not just action for action's sake. Right. It's not action to fill a void, to make us feel worthy and accepted. Well, then that's again, that's action for action's sake. That's not actually supporting us. That's creating an illusion of support that's going to be never ending. And so what you're providing is this beautiful picture for people to say, okay, whether it's that exact scenario or something close that they can apply, that you can have a balance between family and work and you know goals and life and hobbies and all that kind of stuff, which is very hard. It's very hard to find balance. Yeah. And it's not, it, it's not a perfect scenario either it's never going to be but the more you can achieve the more that you can bring intention the more that you can actually achieve uh, a balance and you can feel that balance it becomes palpable the people around you start to feel that balance and they'll feel more seen more loved more heard because you're 
seeing and loving and hearing yourself. Exactly. And so the primary tool, if you're listening to this to take away, is to be willing to just sit in the whys of your feelings. And even in some of the whys would be inner critic, right? If you're getting these different messages from your inner critic of, I'm not, if I don't do this, then I am not worthy. Okay, why are you feeling that way? Oh, and don't set with the first answer because usually the first answer is that I just want to quickly answer this to move on. It is that, okay, let's really pull at that thread until it unravels and sit with it because that will give you that little nugget that you need to the next time that feeling of unworthiness pops up for the same thing. You can go, ah, I know where you came from. And that may have been true when it first entered. When we talk about things like childhood or social norms or even our own, like I went after a personal goal and I didn't achieve it. And suddenly now I feel unworthy because I didn't achieve that. But now this is a different time, a different place, a different scenario. I know more. I've gained more because that fear of failure can really do a whole workup on us. If we had went after something once and it didn't succeed, then it really makes it sometimes challenging for us to go after it again. But we have a whole new set of skills after going after it once, which makes the second time a whole lot more attainable because you have a whole new treasure trove that you've learned from and it's a different time and people are in a different space around you. So you have a whole new scenario. So it makes it so much easier for you to say that to yourself and go, so where you came from, inner critic and all of that, the whys are going to lead me to understand that I know where you came from and that's not where I'm at. So I appreciate that, but I'm moving on. That's a beautiful, beautiful message. Um, just want to quickly share because it just, it's kind of dawning on me right now as I'm, as I'm flowing through this and hearing it and just, it's kind of one of those, like, how, how did I even kind of miss, miss this aspect? So I'm, I'm, I appreciate it, but a lot. Um, and it was, you know, I dedicated a lot of my childhood to being a professional golfer. Like that's what I set my goal in life to. It was one that I felt was very attainable. And when I, got injured in college and was told I'd never play golf again. Uh, you know, that's, we've had long talks about this and, you know, that the, unwor the unworthiness that I felt from that, the, the fear of failure that I really struggled with, you know, I, I didn't take the time to ask why it didn't take the time to allow myself to feel so I pushed myself into entrepreneurship, you know, and cool. Started 12 companies by the time I was 25. But at 25, I was unhappier than I've ever been. I had everything you could want on paper, but I was extremely unhappy. It was because I was deferring. I wasn't asking why. I was continuing to perpetuate that productivity and that action 
and that really strong need for approval. And it wasn't until I met you that I got to learn the tool of asking myself why and sitting with the uncomfortableness of it to recognize that I need to change my own behaviors. I need to change my own habits so that when I do go for something like what we've been doing, that it's not tied to an insecurity. It's not tied to an identity. It's not tied to an ego. It is balanced. It is intentional. It is heartfelt. It is authentic. And it is something that fuels my soul, not from a place of needing to fill a void, but a place that actually fuels, not just fuels my soul in return, but I feel like I get to fuel it back. And I get to be that overflowing pitcher of water. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's what we desire for everyone. And to get to do it with your best friend and partner, it's like the mm-hmm. best gift ever. We know that that's not going to be the case for every person. But when you take the time that you did and that I did, and we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes. And we're all going to have things that we wish we wouldn't have done in our lives. But we have to sit with it and understand what we've gained from it. And be willing to say, it taught me something. Because that will steal the power from any negative brain bias, any cycle, faster than anything. And when we can see the growth that comes even from our mistakes and be willing to say, I love myself and I can forgive myself, makes it a lot easier to forgive others for the mistakes they make. Mm-hmm. And we could, we're constantly going to be talking about the critic But again, it goes back to if I'm critical of myself, then that's all I can be of other people too. Mm. And if I'm loving toward myself, the same is true. That's a beautiful place to wrap up today's conversation. Thank you, my love. Thank you, babe. <laughs> and thank you, wonderful, wonderful Suivera community. We are incredibly grateful to be sharing this journey with you. Again, we are basing our podcasts over the next probably several months, I would anticipate, yes. all off of the book that we are writing, Silence Your Inner Critic. And as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, we would love to hear from you, any feedback you have, anything you would like to see in the book. If you post it below anywhere that you are listening to or watching this video or podcast, we can find it there. 
or you can send us a message directly to info at and we will read it and reply to you. Likewise, if you would like to pre-register to order the book for a discount and receive one of our best-selling workshops along the way, you can do that as well. We're going to include a link where you can do that, but I believe if you want to share the URL. Yeah, it's right underneath uh, silenceyourinnercritic.com. And uh, yeah, that's the uh, Mirror Technique mini course. Yeah, awesome. And it's 20% off, right? 20% off that they get for pre-registering? Yes, yeah. You yeah, can lock in that discount uh, when the book is ready and then you'll get instant access to the course. It's uh, uh, completely free. Awesome. So when you're at a phone or a computer, if you are listening to this while you're driving in your car, we don't want you to wreck. So make certain <laughs> that you pull over yes. and we can look forward to getting your pre-registration and get that class right over to you. Until next time, I am your host, Amber, here with Austin, and we look forward to seeing you in our Suivera community.